0: Welcome to the Gathering Network Covenant Partner Podcast, a conversation designed to help covenant partners live Jesus-shaped lives.
1: Gathering Network, what is up? Welcome back to another Covenant Partner Podcast. Jack Smithy here, sitting with John Shirley. John, how are you doing?
2: I'm good, man. Glad to be with you. Excellent. I'm glad to be with you, too.
1: We're here to tell the people what is up and coming. So what's on the horizon?
2: Well, I guess we're making history, man, Mm -hmm. around the Gathering Network. This coming weekend, February the 11th, 2018, will be our very first Sunday ever at the Sylvester Powell Community Center. That is right.
1: SPCC. (laughs) That's right. Someone say
2: that's right. Mission Kansas, uh, just a just like a block south of Johnson Drive and Lamar. We're so excited to be there, man! This particular weekend, we're going to meet at ten thirty. It's a soft, uh, you know, walkthrough of the space. What we're calling an open house, yeah. And uh, yeah, ten thirty. Come on out and take a look around the spot. We're gonna pray for you know, do some worship and prayer at eleven to eleven thirty, and it promises to be a great morning.
1: Yeah, so 10.30, come get your bearings. Even find out just where to park, where to take your kids. It's going to be helpful just to come. Walk through and then pray.
2: Well, two weeks later, right, on the 25th, right, February the 25th, that's our first full-length Sunday at Mm -hmm. uh, Sylvester Powell, starting at 10 a.m. sharp. That's right. It's not a gathering network, you know, soft 5, you know, 5.05 for start time. We're going to start right at 10 a.m. so that we can make the most of those 90 minutes together. The service will be over at 11.30, you know, on those Sundays when we gather, and uh, I'm really excited about it. I am too, man. Yeah, yeah.
1: What are we doing today, man? Tell us about well, this. Well, we found a great resource. It's called the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Mm-hmm. And this is something you mentioned at the 61 retreat. Yeah,
2: yeah Kim and Steve Specker uh, turned me on to this guy. His name is Pete Scazzaro. And and Pete has written a number of books. Uh, you know, the ones that he's famous for is, you know, a, a book called The Emotionally Healthy Church. Um, another one called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And he he's been the pastor of a church in Queens, New York. And uh, I, I'm just really excited to uh, learn from him. I reached out to their organization. Their organization is called EHS, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And uh, I just asked, I was like, hey, can, can we repost some of your podcasts for our Covenant Partner podcast? And they were so thrilled to let us do that. And uh I'm just really thankful because I think that this one particularly ties into a lot of what we were talking about this last weekend at the 61 retreat, which by the way was a great retreat for us. Um uh, Friday night I, I brought this word uh about just maybe maybe it was a, a, a bit of a prophetic word, you know, just kind of looking deeply into where we are as a as a church right now. And you know, I'm looking around the landscape of the gathering network and I'm realizing that we pretty much have leveraged everything. Uh, to be a relational movement. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about, you know, discipleship groups, highly relational, huddles, highly relational. Yes. When you think about missional communities, highly relational. When you think about the way we even do our Sunday service, again, highly relational. And man, that's awesome because I think that that's what we crave. That's what we all want. Mm-hmm. Yet we're at this life stage where, um, you know, we've been in this, in this, lane long enough that we know that sometimes relationships can get really hard. We might be spent, you know, and we might be at a place where we're at the end of ourselves, at the end of our emotional maturity, and God is calling us to grow to the next life stage. You know, mm-hmm. so I, even even on their website, on the EHS website, you can go and do a personal assessment and find out if you yourself are in, you know, kind of score as an emotional infant, a child, an adolescent or an adult. You and I just took this assessment right yeah, before we got we started did. and it was It's humbling. <laughs> it's help it's helpful and humbling. It was for me too, man.
1: Yeah, you're looking at in the mirror and yeah. you're saying, "Jesus, help me grow."
2: That's right. That's right. And you know, I I think, you know, Pete had he he so wisely says that it really is impossible to grow spiritually and to not grow emotionally at the same time. And he draws this beautiful distinction between spiritual passion and spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to be a person who grows beyond youthful zeal into spiritual eldership in my life. But even in that life stage, I do hope to be a really passionate and zealous person for Jesus, but I hope to be an emotionally wise and emotionally seasoned person in that place as well and so you know I think it 's just right on time for us. The beautiful good news is that the kingdom of God is a relational environment, and the whole point of it is that we would thrive in relationship with God, we would thrive in relationships with one another, and that we would have a certain currency to really thrive in the world beyond us and you know out in the wild you know and so mm. Um, yeah, so this particular episode that we asked if we could repost is one called "Jesus's Seven Qualities of Spiritual Maturity. And again, one of the things that I love about Pete is that he's a Jesus guy, and he totally. keeps bringing it back to Jesus, keeps bringing it back to Jesus. And even his description of what spiritual maturity is comes straight out of the Sermon on the Mount. And he is, right after the Beatitudes, he goes to those very first seven commands and he says, this is what Jesus intends for us uh, to look like as we grow into spiritual maturity. And they're relevant to every single one of us, every one of us, you know? Yeah. And so I'm excited uh, to bring this to our covenant partners. I think it's going to be a huge help. We're well on our way. Our covenant partner base are people who are like, man. If you know, I ask them, put your hand in the air if you want to grow emotionally or spiritually. Every single hand flies up. That's this is what we're doing. This is what we're about. So, hey, gathering network covenant partners. This is for you. Um, we're for you. We're with you. Um, we're going to do this.
1: Here we go. This is Jesus's seven qualities of spiritual maturity.
0: Welcome to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. My name is Pete Scazzaro, and our topic uh, today is Seven Qualities of Spiritual Maturity According to Jesus, or Jesus' Seven Qualities or Characteristics of a Spiritually Mature uh, Christ Follower. I'm taking this out of the Sermon on the Mount. I have been studying the Sermon on the Mount, actually meditating on it, uh, for months in my morning prayer time. And so I have in front of me uh, a sheet of a manuscript study of Matthew five to seven of all these notes written on it because I basically meditate verse by verse, writing notes, you know, comparing, contrasting, do a little bit of study here and there, and uh, but really been pondering the Sermon on the Mount. Now I've been, understand I've preached the Sermon on the Mount, I have done multiple studies in the Sermon on the Mount uh, over the years, but I feel like. I am just beginning to wade into it. Uh I told Jerry my wife I'm getting all this revelation and she said to me it's not showing yet. Uh and I think there is some truth in that. Uh because it is a it is just an incredible uh sermon of the kingdom of uh, how Jesus invites us to live as his followers. So he ends chapter 5. And I'm going to give you, we're going to do with a section of chapter 5. He ends by saying this, "Be perfect as your heavenly father." Is perfect, and what that means, he says, "Be telio," so be be an adult, not a minor. Be a mature person spiritually, not a child. And so, it's an invitation to spiritual maturity to actually grow up. Now, to understand what he's talking about there at the end of the chapter five, you got to look at what happens before it. And so, what he does, he gives seven specific commands, actually, and where he describes the qualities of what this maturity looks like. And uh they are challenging. I'm telling you up front, they are really challenging. And so I want to invite you, uh, if you're in a car, you can't take a note, please, not if you're driving. Uh, but if you can drop a note or two, it is worth uh you making a note or two and and, and on your own, just ponder and meditate uh, on that on these texts, because they really are uh tremendous. So again, Jesus' definition of spiritual maturity. Okay, I'm gonna begin because it's after the Beatitudes. Uh, he begins uh, verses 19 and 20 of chapter 5 of Matthew, and he says the first quality is spiritually mature uh people love and obey Scripture. In other words, he, he, Jesus talks about, he goes, anyone who sets aside the least of these commands and teaches others will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever practices, it, whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus said, I mean, Jesus loved Scripture. And so the first quality is is, is that, we just we have this attitude towards scripture that is one of just love i you know humans do not live by bread alone but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god it's my food it's my drink i'm 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 a person my life is defined by scripture and uh boy that's anything we learn from jesus his love for scripture and why so we can be obedient um and basically jesus is saying if we're loose with scripture Uh, We're going to be loose with him as followers. That's number one. Number two is we zealously banish resentments. Number two is we zealously banish uh, resentments. And uh, he says, um, you've heard that it was said, uh, you shall not murder. But I tell you, anyone's angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone who calls his brother or sister raka or stupid or jerk or idiot will be answerable to the court. It's found in verses 20 to 22. So the second quality of a spiritual mature person is, uh, we banish zealously all resentments and anger. In fact, for Jesus, dismissive words of other people are a big deal. Uh, In fact, he says it's actually a hell-deserving crime. You know, it's amazing. I mean, I read this. I say, I can be on the highway driving home after this podcast and somebody cuts me off and I can just mutter under my breath, jerk. You know, and for Jesus, that is not just a little jerk. I mean, so, so what he's saying is we don't stay angry and nurse hatred towards any brother or sister. We don't, we don't guard resentment. We don't carry it around, uh, with us. <clears throat> and, um, we, 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 we bring it to God. We recognize again, I'm poor in spirit. Oh, father, help me, but we do not play with this. Uh, in fact, Jesus says these harsh words kill more people than drugs, alcohol, and smoking combined. And so again, the whole way we use word towards other people and anger is so different than the world. And so we're constantly crying out to God, Lord, have mercy on me. Uh, and if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, again, Jesus has such a theme of constantly, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us, and not and offering forgiveness every day to those who hurt us. So that's the second quality: zealously banishing resentments. Okay? Third is this. That we fight against lust. And Jesus says, you've heard it was said long ago, do not commit adultery. He goes, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And he, then he goes, right? If your right hand, eye cause you to sin, gouge it out or, or, you know, your right hand calls you to stumble, cut it off. And, and, uh, and he says, you got to deal with this head on. Now, now, the understanding of, of sexuality in, 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 the, in, in the first century by Jesus was a shock to the Greco-Roman world. And uh, uh, what he's saying is that, yes, there are attractive people out there. That's that's God-given that we note as attractive people. And, you know, it, 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 and he's saying, when he talks about lusting, he's referring to staring, sustained looking with a desire to possess. And... Uh, uh and that is where we cross the line of violating a person's value and honor and you know we we're not protecting them any longer now it has been said that for men this is probably the most difficult command in the new testament in fact it's impossible to do. And that's why Jesus says to us, with human beings, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And what Jesus is banning here is all seduction. I think of, you know, not, not just the person being seduced, but the person doing the seducing. And I mentioned recently in a sermon uh, how walking down uh, a main street in Manhattan and looking up at a billboard of Victoria's Secret uh, models, big billboards, you know, scantily dressed, and you know, of course, it's airbrushed photos, and 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 it was like a really big, multiple ones on on a big wall, and I, and I could just feel the power behind them. Say, look at me, you know, and and you know, and and what they're they're saying is, we, I want you, you know, I love you, and uh, I just said, my gosh, it's like a power, and I just said, oh, you know. Married. I'm married. (laughs) You know, walk straight ahead. Then I went around the corner and someone handed me an invitation to go into this. this, And a girl was scantily dressed, you know, low cut dress. This is one o'clock in the afternoon. Invites me to go into a gentleman's club. You know, and these two other guys with suits go right in front of me to this gentleman's club. And it's 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 not like a, a, a sleazy street I was on. It was a very nice street. I think it was 35th or 32nd Street in Manhattan. And uh, But again, it was like I could feel the power of it. And so what Jesus is saying is that mature Christ followers are merciless uh, in in, in dealing with this swiftly, brutally, hard, painfully. In other words, uh, that I'm going to fight this, uh, this lust thing. And I like what Martin Luther said, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. And it is just, there's a vigilance there out of the value of human beings uh, for the sake of Christ. Again, we're protecting sexuality, the beauty of it, protecting marriage, protecting relationships, uh, protecting, you know, men, women. Uh, that's number two. Okay, that's number three. So you got love to obey scripture, number one. We zealously banish resentments, number two. We fight off lust, number three. And then fourthly, uh, we have integrity in our marriages and in our homes. And Jesus then goes into marriage and divorce and basically, we are to fight off unfaithfulness in our marriages. And it's so easy to be unfaithful, whether it's emotional or physical or things pull us away. We get married to our jobs. We get married emotionally to sports teams, but that our marriages are first after Jesus. And, and it's so interesting that, that two of the first four commands are about protecting marriage, you know, sexuality and, and this whole marriage commandment. That's how important that is. The fifth is words. And Jesus says, you've heard long ago about not make, you know, don't swear an oath. He goes, I, I, you know, you can make an oath, but fulfill the vows you've made. He goes, I tell you, don't swear by an oath at all. Let your yes be yes and your no bot be no. In other words, that he's saying that the fifth quality of a mature Christian is the words we speak, um, are so truthful that our yes is yes and our no is no. We don't need to swear ever. We don't need to make an oath on a court because people know that when we say something, it's true. We're not embellishing. We're not exaggerating. We're not saying yes when we mean no. We're not, we're not, uh, you know, giving half the truth. We actually are being, we reflect the spirit of truth, the God of truth, Jesus who is the truth. And Jesus says in this text, all else comes from the evil one. It's one of the qualities that we've nurtured in our lives. The sixth quality, again, I'll review them again. We love to, scripture. We zealously banish anger. We fight lust. We have integrity in our marriages and our homes. Fifthly, we, we speak and live in truth. And sixthly, we are not defensive or violent. Uh, we actually are poised. Uh, and Jesus then gives a story about when someone asks you for your coats, uh, or he goes. He, gives, he goes. You've heard, you know. You've heard eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I say to you, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, give them the other cheek. If someone wants to sue you to take your shirt, give them your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go to one mile, go with them two miles. And what he's saying here is that we've reached. We're not defensive. Mature people. Um, we don't attack other people to honor our rights. And this is an oppressive Roman Empire. Uh, we have a nonviolent response. We surprise people. Uh, we we are not like others trying to hold on to our shirts or our honor because we understand that Jesus is Lord and we disarm people by the fact of we've got nothing to prove. We're not trying to get even. Uh, actually, love flows out of us. Uh, we're creative. But then Jesus closes his seven qualities with the climax of all of them. And it's called Love Your Enemies. Let me me review one more time, all seven. We love scripture. We zealously banish resentments. We fight lust. Number four, we have integrity in our marriages. Number five, we speak and live in truth. Number six, we're not defensive uh, or violent. And seventhly, we love our enemies. Now, Jesus, this is actually, this is the climax because this is the test of true Christianity. We actually love and greet our enemies. Uh, And Jesus says the only way to love our enemies is actually to pray for them. Just think of it for a minute. God is the great enemy lover. I mean, God loves his enemies and died for us. And as we love our enemies, we actually reflect him. He is the greatest enemy lover of all time. For God so loved the world. He gave his only son. That's why he died for us. So in this incredibly politically charged environment, that we're living in right now, here, especially in the United States, Um, whoever, whatever political party you belong to, and I want to encourage you, I don't think you should say anything until you pray every day and love that. You know you love that person on the other side of the aisle. Then we can have a discussion. But what makes Christians different is we pray for our enemies. We just don't tweet and write Facebook posts and spout comments we love, what good is it if you love those who love you, who agree with you? And Jesus says, no, a mature adult is not like everybody else. And uh, the, the whole thrust is, is is that true Christianity loves enemies. That, that's it. And it's a miracle. Again, it's another miracle, isn't it? That's why the Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. I look at those seven qualities. I can't live any of them. Uh, I, and this takes the Holy Spirit. This takes a level of brokenness. That's why the sermon begins, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who know they're impoverished, those who know they can't, those who know they they have nothing to offer God, and they come broken and poor in spirit. So we come and we are meant to come to each of these seven commands. Now, if you're a pastor leader like I am, I read them and I say, oh my gosh, I've been a Christian 40 years, and I am still a child. And that's what's been so humbling reading this. I've been so challenged. Um, to, to grow up, be a person who's not a minor, but Jesus says be perfect or be mature, be perfectly mature as your heavenly father is mature. And I pray that for you. I, I, I believe the greatest gift we can give our churches is to grow up. So I'm meditating on these scriptures. Um, and I know I need a miracle every day to live out this Christian life as Jesus describes it here, but I, I don't want to water down the word of God, uh, because of what I see around me and what's lived around me, what's even expected around me. I, I actually want to, I, I, if Jesus asked us to do this, and I like as one great scholar said, the word of God in and of itself, as we, as we read it, and as we ponder it and listen to it, it actually has power to enable us to obey it. So when Jesus says, follow me, we hear that word, follow me. It gives us the grace and power to get up and follow Jesus. And so we read these words, and there's power to actually enable us to live it. The Christian life really is a supernatural life. And if anyone needs this, it's us in leadership for God to fill us with power. So let me just close by asking you this question. Who are you um, angry at today? And, uh, you know, you just can't stand them. You know, you're, you're guarding resentment. Uh, or maybe you're just struggling with lust or pornography to, to somehow alleviate stress that you're under, or maybe your words are just flippant. Uh, You know, you say things that just aren't fully true. Uh, You're saying yes, when you mean no, or maybe you are defensive and not anxious and someone touches your honor or, or your, your, your name, you get so defensive and crazy. And then who are your enemies? Those are people who drive you crazy and irritate you. And they can be theological enemies, political enemies, enemies in your family, uh, enemies on your staff, uh, and pray for them. Jesus says, love them and pray for those. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. For the, we are to pray until we feel something of God's love. And that's the miracle of the love of God in our hearts. So, I you know, I look at Emotionally Healthy Spirituality in our discipleship courses. What we are doing is trying to get people anchored in Jesus so we can actually live what I just talked to you about, these seven qualities of becoming spiritually mature. This friends is the narrow, rugged road of discipleship. Uh, it's an easy yoke, but it's rugged and it's narrow. Uh, this is not just attending church on a Sunday, friends. This is, this is following Jesus. So let me invite you, if you're not familiar with our emotionally healthy discipleship courses, that you would go on our website, www.emotionallyhealthy.org, uh, get information. I would get you, get those kits, come to one of our live streams, uh, where you can learn how do I lead this course, but we believe firmly that if we're going to grow with this kind of spiritual maturity, we have got to anchor our lives and our churches in a discipleship that deeply changes lives. So what we've given our life to is developing and helping churches and people like yourself implement these courses into your life and community so that we can mature and grow up and not remain babies the rest of our Christian lives. We want to grow up mature disciples in Christ. And as we do that, Our impact in the world as salt and light will grow, will increase, and will be a blessing to the world. May the Lord bless you. So again, thank you for listening to our Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. I invite you again to get on our mailing list at www.emotionallyhealthy.org. And look forward to seeing you again next month. This has been Pete Scazzaro.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Covenant Partner Podcast. To learn more, check out gatheringnetwork.org.